blessings to you, and welcome to our podcast, our worship service remote for First United Methodist Church of West Pittston and for Plains United Methodist Church of Plains, Pennsylvania. Our scripture readings for later in the service so that you can turn to them now and refer to them if you would like to will be 1 Corinthians 1, 18-25 and John 2, 13-22. I am Rev. Tenny Hutchinson Rupnick, and my email address is T-E-N-H-U-T-R-U-P at gmail.com. That's T-E-N-H-U-T-R-U-P at gmail.com. Please send me any prayer requests you have and let me know if they're private in nature or if it's okay to share them on the next week's podcast so that your church family may be praying for you. Our prayer requests for our charge for this week are for continued healing for Nick Bear and Craig Davis, for John Eichmann for healing, for Brendan, the family of Anne Wasco, the loved ones of Jack Skursky, for Andy and Andrew, Keith and Clyde Dukes, for Bill Lohman, for Joe Williams for healing and recovery, for people who are facing major decisions about their health, for those with no home or comfort in the cold months of winter, for little Nate Gray, for all our healthcare workers and first responders, all our governmental, civic, and church leaders. And a couple quick announcements. First, once again, First United Methodist Church has been holding in-person services. Please join them for worship if you are comfortable in doing so. They would love to have you. A few people have taken advantage of that, and it's been so nice to see a little bit of mix-up in the sanctuary to see our the two churches of our charge worshiping together. And the second quick announcement is that I don't know if it's allergies or what, but my throat is giving me a little bit of trouble today. So if you please extend a little grace with the songs I'll be singing later, I'd appreciate it. The third Sunday in Lent, March 7th, 2021. Our gathering music for this morning is hymn number 145 in the hymnal, Morning Has Broken. Morning has broken like the first morning. Blackbird has spoken like the first bird. Praise for the singing, praise for the morning. Praise for them springing fresh from the word. Sweet, sweet the rain's new fall, sunlit from heaven. Like the first dewfall on the first grass. Praise for the sweetness of the wet garden. Sprung in completeness where his feet pass. Mine is the sunlight, mine is the morning. Born of the one light, Eden saw play. Praise with elation, praise every morning. God's recreation of the new day. Our gathering meditation is from 1 Corinthians 6, 19. 
Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? And our invocation. Holy Father, we praise your name. All have gathered before you. Heaven and earth sing your praises. May we walk in your light and glorify your name always. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. And our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 19. Let our words and actions be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Clear us and clean us from any hidden faults. Cleanse us from selfishness and pride. Then, O God, we shall be blameless in your sight. Then, O God, we shall be fit to lift up our praise. Let our words and actions be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. And join with me now in our opening prayer. Let us pray. God, you understand us. You know us completely. You have knitted our inmost being and you know our deepest desires, fears, and worries. Help us to journey during this Lenten season into a new understanding and knowing of you. Help us with this so that we may more freely see you and follow you all of our days. And all God's children say, Amen. Join with me together now in our Confession of Faith, the Apostles' Creed. Let us say what we believe and believe what we say. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. And now we've come to the time in our service of our children's message. Hey guys, let me ask you something right away and as we get started today. Do you think Jesus ever got mad? Do you think he got really, really mad? I mean, the Bible teaches us that Jesus was without sin, which means he never did anything that was very hurtful or selfish or wrong. So do you think Jesus ever got really, really mad? Well, there's a story in the Bible that tells about a time Jesus got very mad. Jesus went into the temple, which is a bit like our church. It was a place built for God. And in the temple, Jesus saw that the people were selling animals and taking people's money. The people were using that special church place like it was nothing more than a store. And Jesus got very angry. He yelled at people. He chased people and animals out of the temple and flipped over tables. He made a big, mad scene. So you see, Jesus did get really mad. 
In this story, Jesus was so mad that he scared people and animals to make them run out of the temple, and he was so mad that he flipped over some tables, sending them crashing down. And we know that throwing around tables and scaring people is not really very good behavior. It seems like maybe here Jesus did a wrong thing, like he sinned. But remember we said that Jesus never sinned. Somehow when Jesus got so mad and scared the people and animals and even tipped over things making them crash, he didn't sin. That is, he wasn't doing a really mean or selfish or wrong thing. Why do you think that is? That Jesus wasn't bad or wrong when he got so very angry? Well, it's because of why he did it. Jesus in this story was mad because the people weren't doing the right things and were being awful to God. Jesus was in his way sticking up for God. Have you ever gotten mad and stuck up for someone else? When I was in third grade, there was a fifth grader who always teased me and picked on me at recess. And when we were outside for our time to play, he'd run up to me and take away things I was holding. He'd run by me and hit or try and trip me. He'd say mean things to me. This happened almost every single day at recess. Well, one day it was raining and I had a little umbrella with me. And that fifth grader was being mean to me again. And a boy from my class walked up to us and asked if he could have my umbrella. I didn't know why he wanted it, but he was a nice boy, so I handed it to him. And that boy closed my umbrella and started chasing the mean fifth grader with it. The boy in my class chased the older boy across the playground and whacked that mean older boy with it time and time again while my friends and I watched and couldn't believe it. Was the boy in my class angry? Yes, very. Is hitting someone else with an umbrella an okay thing to do? No, it's not. It's the sort of thing you'd probably get in trouble for if an adult saw you doing it. Here's my last question for you. Do you think the boy in my class was sinning or doing a very wrong or selfish or awful thing? No, he wasn't, and I'll tell you why that is. Because just like Jesus in the temple, the boy in my class wasn't angry for or about himself. My classmate's anger was for another person that he wanted to see treated better. And there is no sin, no selfishness or wrongness in that. Like Jesus, the boy in my class was actually doing the right thing when he stuck up for a smaller kid that an older kid was picking on. Now, I don't want you hitting others. No, that wouldn't do. You will get into trouble. But I do want you to remember that sometimes there are very good reasons for being angry and that getting angry is sometimes the right thing to do. Let's pray. Dear God, help us in the times we do get angry to be angry for the right reasons because we do not like to see others treated badly or hurt or afraid. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our next hymn this morning is number 156. I love to tell the story, and I'll be reading it. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story 
of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story more wonderful, it seems, than all the golden fancies of all our golden dreams. I love to tell the story it did so much for me, and that is just the reason I tell it now to thee. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, tis pleasant to repeat, what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard that message of salvation from God's holy word. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story for those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory I sing the new, new song, twill be the old, old story that I have loved so long. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Our prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Almighty God, by your Holy Spirit, illumine the sacred page. We pray that our minds may be open to receive your word, our hearts be taught to love it, and our wills be strengthened to obey it. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our epistle reading for this morning is 1 Corinthians 1, 18-25. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided, through the foolishness of our proclamation, to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Our Gospel reading, John 2, 13-22. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years and you will raise it up in three days? But Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, 
his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our message for this morning is entitled, Overturning the Tables. When was the last time you behaved as Jesus did here in John and just threw over a table? I mean, when was the last time you just got really, really mad and forcefully overturned a table at your home or in an office or at the church, sending everything on its surface flying and all the people around it scattering? Can you remember? Here's a better question, perhaps. Have you ever done such a thing? I think that is the better question because while a few of us may have gotten that mad a time or two or more, my guess is that many more people haven't ever overturned a table in anger than have. And that's not to say that those who haven't flipped a table in rage are better people or something than those who have gone for it, who have done it. We shouldn't point fingers or cast stones, right? Because we've all had temper tantrums of our own and in different ways, We've all had times when we've upset all that is going on around us by our tuning in and our flipping out. We've been the ones, after all, who have turned over other people's joy, who have tossed around harsh words, who have sent judgment and blame flying, who have driven people away with the whip of our defensiveness and hurt feelings. We have, as Jesus did. And we can probably think back to the times during which we lost our tempers and lashed out at others. And if we are honest with ourselves, we can explain why we did. Not that it would be easy to explain it, but we could explain why if we tried. Our explanation would probably require some humility and create some vulnerability within us, but we probably could put our finger on a reason or reasons we behaved the way that we did. Now, if we lost our temper, obviously we were angry. We were mad. But that's not the whole answer. In fact, that's kind of a shortcut and lazy answer. It's more helpful to dig beneath the anger because it is, as some of you know, anger is considered a secondary emotion. A secondary emotion. In other words, anger is a second-place emotion we fall to, a safe place we retreat to, Because feeling anger is easier than facing and really feeling all the emotions that came before it, the pain that came before it, the pain that we are trying to avoid. Did you know that? Every time we are angry, there was something else that came first. There was something more difficult to deal with bubbling underneath. For instance, we might have been feeling ashamed. And ashamed is no fun. It's humiliating and it's hard to handle. So we fall to anger. Much, much easier that mad. Or we might have been feeling scared. And yuck, scared is hard. We're left feeling so exposed and vulnerable, so out of control, and we don't like that at all. So we fall to anger. Much, much simpler that outrage. Or we might have been feeling betrayed, and that is truly an awful place to be because if we admit we feel betrayed, then we have to admit that we did care about, that we did trust that person or those persons who hurts us, and who wants that if they have let you down and ripped you up? So we fall to anger. 
much, much more palatable, that rage. And on and on. So yeah, you could say, I lost my temper because I was mad. But it takes a more insightful and braver and stronger person to dig at what was underneath that secondary emotion of anger, to do the work of digging beneath it, to uncover what was really going on. But so far, that's all about us and our anger and what might have been bothering us at a time when we lost it, much like Jesus did. When we didn't overturn tables, perhaps, but when we hurled and scattered and drove away in other ways. And that's not exactly what I want to focus on today. I don't want to focus on why we did what we did when we did it. I'm no therapist or psychologist. But I am a minister, a reverend, a pastor. And what I would like to focus upon today is why Jesus did what Jesus did. Why he got so very angry. Why he raged at people and drove away animals. Why he fashioned a whip and overturned tables. Just why? Why, in all the times that Jesus came up against unspeakable injustices and horrible crimes, why, when for all the times he talked about hatred and demon possession, about mistreatment and greed and many other atrocities, why was it this time and this place that he really, really let his anger fly? Well, we can't know for sure, 2,000 years later, all that was churned up inside of him and bubbling away. He was probably stressed. He was likely tired. He could have been juggling the weight of all the unknowns, concerns for himself and his disciples and his family, shouldering feelings of a kind of homelessness, perhaps, carrying around questions, questions of how to do and what to do. And the question of, were these people, these hard-hearted and stiff-necked people, even worth it? All that and more was perhaps going on, and we can't be sure what it was that led to this moment of rage exactly. But I do think that Jesus' words, that the scripture, give us excellent clues. Let's look at what Jesus said again, just at his words after his driving out and throwing around and overturning. Jesus said, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. And later Jesus said, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. First, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. First, let's look at that. Have you ever been seriously offended in your own home? Do you remember a time when someone dared to act in an almost unspeakable way to you in your own house? It's almost worse somehow. It is worse somehow when it happens in your own home than when it happens out in public, in a store, at work. It's worse when we are disrespected or disregarded or confronted in the space that we have created to be our harbor, our safe place. It's more traumatizing and more infuriating when one finds that they have to defend themselves and fight for themselves in the place that should be their haven from strife. It's one of the many reasons, I think, that domestic abuse and disputes are so very upsetting and damaging. And this was part of the dynamic for Jesus, I think, in this moment of his living. One reason he was so incredibly mad. For this temple he was in, this place he had come to, was supposed to, out of all the places, be the place 
which was dedicated to honoring and worshiping the Lord. Because Jesus likely felt betrayed and stunned, and perhaps even vulnerable and scared facing all that he was going to face, vulnerable and scared, betrayed and stunned by all the dishonorable and selfish actions going on, and all the negative emotions Jesus was feeling, whatever they actually and specifically happened to be, all those negative and hard-to-deal-with emotions just sort of funnel down into Jesus, into this anger and rage we see on the page. An anger and rage which caused him to do what he wouldn't normally do and led him to act in a way he wouldn't normally act as he started driving out and throwing around and overturning. And in his anger, there was a dynamic there, it seems to me, a dynamic of how dare you? Jesus was almost surely thinking, how dare God's own children defile God's own house? And so he yelled, take these things out of here. And he said more, but I think that's the most important part. Get all this, all this that doesn't belong out. Take your idolatry of money out and your greed and bargaining out. Take your reliance on the things of this world, like these sacrifices, these animals, and your money. Take them all out. Get all this garbage out of this place. My father's house deserves better. And you know what? You deserve better. It deserves better. You deserve better. Do you recall that it and you are one and the same? Ooh, I just threw that one in there, didn't I? And you might be scrambling back now in your mind to recover what it was that I was just talking about. Don't worry, I'll return to it in just a moment. But here's that phrase once again, so you can set it firmly in your mind. Actually, here's that phrase twice again. So listen, it and you are one and the same. It and you are one and the same. It's the third Sunday in Lent now. Yeah, time is flying. We're already halfway through the season. A season in which we're called to be, challenged to be all about reflection and renewal. A time in which we are supposed to be returning to our God and our faith, and in which we are supposed to be waist deep in doing some revitalizing and revamping of ourselves and of our discipleship, of our living. And this morning, I'm going to invite you to do something specific for Lent for the time in it that we have left. This morning, I'm going to invite you to emulate Jesus and to overthrow some tables of your own. Yep. This morning, I'm going to invite you to encourage you really to allow yourself the time to sail past those other emotions and to fall quickly into the secondary mad, to the really, really angry in this case, and do some turning over. And I'm not talking about literally tossing over your dining room table or your desk at work. No. In fact, please don't do that. I really don't want the phone calls and letters from co-workers or family members after you've said, but the pastor told me to. No, not that. But what I am inviting you to is to begin looking at yourself and your life again as a temple to the Lord. Yes, yourself and your life, your spirit and your faith as God's house and temple. Because in its way, it and you are the same. Or had you forgotten? Remember, and as 1 Corinthians 6 put it, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, 
and that you are not your own. This scripture reminds us that we house something incredibly important, that we house God's own spirit. And if that's the case, well, perhaps it should sober us a bit to look around and see that some things may have gotten out of order, have gotten out of hand, that some things in ourselves and in our living might not be honoring to the Lord our God and might make God's Son and God's Spirit feel less at home in us, might even grieve them a bit. So what I'm doing today, this morning, right now, is inviting you to walk into that temple of yourself and to take a good look around, as Jesus himself did on that day so long ago in Jerusalem. This is an invitation for you to walk on in and to take a good long look at yourself. With a critical eye, sure. With an assessing eye, yes. With an eye that wants to see only one sort of activity going on in that temple with an eye that only wants to see God honoring and God loving and God praising living taking place. And if you do this, if you walk in with that critically assessing eye, and as you look at your own attitudes and actions, at your own habits and ways of being, and if you see anything that disregards and dishonors and is a disobedient to your Lord and Master, your heavenly father and your king, then I invite you to feel a bit of fear and to indeed connect with just a moment of shame and to actually allow yourself a brief but true occasion of deep dis-ease. But to then, to then quickly slide into and fully embrace that secondary emotion of anger, use the anger and then do something about it. Because you can. You are more than strong enough and capable enough to start turning over tables within yourself and to start throwing them over with ferocity. You can scatter all that is offensive and you can drive away all that harms. And you should, because God wants better for you. God wants better for God's children. Because God created us. Because God saved us because God sustains us. And because of all that, we are worth it. So how about it? The rest of this Lenten season, let yourself get really mad at all that doesn't belong in the temple of God's Holy Spirit, that doesn't belong in you. And then do something about it. Overturn some tables. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, all of God's temples say, Amen. Our next hymn for this morning is number 206 in the hymnal and is entitled, I Want to Walk as a Child of the Light. I want to walk as a child of the light. I want to follow Jesus. God set the stars to give light to the world. The star of my life is Jesus. In him there is no darkness at all. The night and the day are both alike. The Lamb is the light of the city of God. 
Shine in my heart, Lord Jesus. I want to see the brightness of God. I want to look at Jesus. Clear sun of righteousness, shine on my path and show me the way to the Father. In him there is no darkness at all. The night and the day are both alike. The Lamb is the light of the city of God. Shine in my heart, Lord Jesus. I'm looking for the coming of Christ. I want to be with Jesus. When we have run with patience the race, we shall know the joy of the Father. In Him there is no darkness at all. The night and the day are both alike. The Lamb is the light of the city of God. Shine in my heart, Lord Jesus. At this point in our podcast, we remember our call to support our churches with our time, our talents, and our treasure. And so I say now, as I say every week, just as our Almighty God gave entirely of God's self for our sakes, we are likewise called to give up of ourselves for the sake of others. Let us pray. God of grace, multiply our tithes and offerings so that our church's ministry and mission may radically change lives and create new evangelism opportunities. We pray that these gifts may help all of your children in a way that brings honor and praise to you. In the name of Jesus, your Son and our Savior, we pray. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above, ye heavenly host. Praise Creator Christ and Holy Ghost. Amen. And now as we have so gathered, not together in body physically, but still together as the body of Christ. Let us bend the knees of our hearts and bow our heads before our Creator, Sustainer, and Lord in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, hear our prayer. When we call, answer us. O Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, hear our prayer. Come and listen to us. Merciful God, full of grace, hear our prayers of confession and our prayers of need in these next few moments of silence. Lord God, in this season of Lent, we pray that we all might be given the grace and strength to repent and grow closer to you. 
Create in us clean hearts, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Truth be told, Jesus, there are a lot of tables that need overturning in our lives. Beneath our tidy veneer of respectability hide our angry judgments and stubborn ways, and behind the constructed walls of our facades hide selfishness and heartlessness that grieves you and hurts ourselves. And we know the pain, and so do those around us, of keeping up the front. What a relief it would be to have it all upset, smashed, scattered, and destroyed. So perhaps, Jesus, today you could pay us a visit and help us to radically rearrange the furniture of our lives. Tilt our scales, O God, that the poor would see justice. Share our feast, O Lord, that none would stay hungry. Upset our tables, mighty one, that the poor might find relief. And open our eyes, O King, that we may learn to walk in the way of your Son, that we may be about the tilting, sharing, and upsetting of this world, so that you are glorified when more of your children are helped and satisfied. Lord Jesus, it was your will that your Father's house would be a place of prayer for all people. Grant us the strength and wisdom to be a people consumed with prayer and zeal for you this day and always. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray and continue to, as he taught us to, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our final hymn for this morning is Amazing Grace. I'm just going to sing a couple verses. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Before we take our leave now of one another, may we recite the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. 
and where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in pardoning that we receive, it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born into eternal life. Amen. And now, may you go into the days of this week and deeper into the season of Lent, strong in the presence of the Holy Spirit and confident that God goes with you. Shalom to you now. Shalom, my friends. May God's full mercies bless you, my friends, in all your living and through your loving. Christ be your shalom. Christ be your shalom.